Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is my opinion, and I'm going to seek my approval. Do I approve of me? Love doesn't have any expectations. It doesn't seek something in return. It gives because it wants to. At our core, all of us have these feelings of being unlovable and inadequate. And until we start to care for those parts of ourselves, we can't really have the outer successes that we long for. There's money by you, intuition, insight, creativity, higher vision, transcendence, no. Money does buy you pleasure, and pleasure is good, but it's not enough. We need fulfillment. Welcome to the Unwind Podcast, a show to help you pause, relax, reflect, and be curious. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, a best-selling author and entrepreneur exploring the human experience. I interview world-leading thinkers, shaping ideas around the mind, health, spirituality, philosophy, and culture. I'm often reminded that thoughts become things, so we need to choose the good ones. I hope this show helps you to do that too. Today's podcast guest is incredibly special and is someone who has had a profound impact on my life. I would watch his reels on Instagram over and over again just to soak up a little bit more wisdom and guidance. He is just so spot on when he talks about life in the way that he does, and I know it's based on thousands of years of spirituality. My guest is David Guillaume. He is a spiritual teacher. He teaches the wisdom of Kabbalah and has utilized his teachings to build a billion-dollar company with his wife, Mary Ruth. The fact he puts his spiritual teachings into practice and has created such a phenomenal company as he has, I find incredibly inspiring and also remarkable the fact that he has time to help thousands of people all around the world with their personal growth journey, but also is able to run a team and build an incredible business. In this episode, we touch upon the wisdom of Kabbalah and discuss why hardship, challenges and struggle could be the very sign that miracles are coming. And I know that sounds completely counter to what we think when we're going through a hard time, we worry that it's only going to get worse. But I think David's perspective and his teachings of why that is not the case is exactly what we all need to hear, especially at the beginning of the year when life can feel a bit topsy-turvy. Miracles are waiting and David explains why. What is a quote you return to often and why? So I would say I started studying Kabbalah about 24 years ago and back then What wasn't being spoken about a lot the way it is today is a quote from my teacher that he said, consciousness is everything. And it's such a simple quote, but I think most of us, we make life about so many other things and we without realizing actually the seed level. And in fact, 99.9% of the reality we create is our consciousness. And if I had to break that down, 
I'd say consciousness is defined as the the energy and vibration we put out into the world through our thoughts, words, and our actions. So if a person can 100% focus on fine-tuning and optimizing their consciousness, then the rest falls into place. What would you say is the greatest threat to our consciousness and the easiest boost to it? The greatest threat to our consciousness, I would say, it's interesting because according to what your potential is, like what your soul's potential is, because every soul comes to this world with what's called their surrounding light and their inner light. Their inner light is basically who you are, what you've achieved, the, the, the wisdom and knowledge you already have, like the level you're at. The surrounding light is all the potential that has yet to be re- revealed. And that includes everything from future wisdom, future love, your soulmate, future wealth, all that we feel we should have, but we don't have yet. And so when the surrounding light wants to become the inner light, when it wants to become revealed, and that is revealed through fulfillment, and we, we feel it as fulfillment and feel it as joy and all the pleasures we're looking for in life, there's a friction that occurs, there's, a, there's challenges that occurs. And so what comes to the surface is an attack on our consciousness. So what we actually feel is that we feel confused, we feel doubts, we feel fear, we feel insecurity, and whatever trauma on a soul level we've carried from a past life starts to come to the surface. And so a person feels like their consciousness is dropping. But what's really happening when our consciousness is dropping or under attack is we're about to go to our next level. So it's a positive thing. I love that. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently and why? Just how easy it is to receive everything that we want to receive. And it is not as difficult as our limited beliefs make it out to be. So a lot of times people believe that they have to suffer to receive what they want. A lot of times people believe that it takes years or decades to become wealthy, to find their soulmate, or to get clarity about a certain subject, when in reality the answer and the fulfillment doesn't require time. Time is an illusion that we put into place based on our own limited belief systems. And that is why in the same 24 hours, someone can achieve in one minute or one second even what some of us would take lifetimes to achieve. So what are they doing differently than what we're doing? It's all consciousness and it's the removal of the limited beliefs that you can receive whatever is meant for you in the blink of an eye. You do not have to wait a long time. So I actually listened to a workshop where you gave the challenge of 24 hours to change your life to a group of people. And when I was listening, I automatically had those sort of quite practical questions like, well, you know, you can't really change your life in 24 hours because how could you go through a really rigorous hiring process to hire your star candidate in 24 hours? Or, you know, how can you find a new house you want to live in because you need to move out of your old one in 24 hours? You know, there's nothing on the market or, you know, there's just some practical things. Or how do you get a visa that the government of the country you want to go to has given three weeks? You know, there's really kind of annoying practical things that my brain started to kind of challenge the concept with. And obviously through the workshop, you kind of explain why these are all just such kind of like nothing chatterings that our brain kind of throw out at us. But in your own words, 
when someone challenges you on the 24-hour principle, how do you respond? Like, how is that not true? So I, I should probably start by sharing the context of where that concept is coming from. I, I believe you're referring to a three-part seminar I gave on prosperity. And I'm sharing, I think, the four or five concepts, spiritual, universal concepts that we use to build uh, our vitamin company here in the U.S. And so one of the concepts I shared is actually the belief that anything you want to manifest, you should aim to manifest in 24 hours. Now, what's interesting is I'm not saying that the result, the aim should be that the result comes in 24 hours. What I'm saying is that all the effort you put forward should be the effort that is as if you only have 24 hours. And so what happens, what a lot of people don't know about is because if you try to use your logical brain to understand, well, how is that going to work? You've, al you've already lost it because the effort you put forward, the condensed, intense effort you put forward without delay, without a break, with sheer force to manifest something triggers what's called the spiritual flywheel in this universe. And so the entire universe begins to mirror and mimic your efforts and starts to work and fight for you. So you're just starting that energy, that domino effect. The momentum will take over and that's how the miracle occurs. So you will not actually know what's going to happen, where it's going to come from. But what you're doing, according to your intensity in the beginning, is you're triggering a set of chain reactions that will allow it to manifest. And I always like to give practical examples. In fact, I'm going through one right now, and I think I used a similar one in the seminar that you listened to. And it's the first example you gave. If I needed to hire a star employee, the way traditionally most companies do it is you hire a recruiter. That recruiter takes weeks or months to to canvas a host of candidates. They bring those candidates, you interview them. It, it's a three, four month process. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars usually, uh, but it gets you a result, which is great. I prefer to utilize the wisdom of Kabbalah and the spiritual laws that I've learned through my teachers to, to manifest something differently. And I still use recruiters, but I always try this method first. What I did was I told myself, I have 24 hours to find this person. So what I did is I cleared my calendar. I hyper-focused all my energy into finding this candidate. I, I meditated for about 10, 20 minutes by walking in the streets, talking out loud to the universe, to the creator, to the endless force, however you want to put it. And I said, I need to manifest the right person who is meant for our company without compromise, the absolute right person. And then I quieted my mind. Some ideas came to me. So I just Googled. I Googled the best customer service companies in the world. The top search came up as US Newsweek saying, here are the top 10 customer service companies in the world. So what I did is I put each one of the names of the companies into LinkedIn. And I looked at who is the vice president, the senior director, director, and manager of customer service at all these companies. I created a template that is coming from me that is explaining who we are, what I'm looking for. And I have 24 hours to make this hire before I hire a recruiter. So please respond to me. I sent out probably 50 to 75 messages within an hour. I custom made each template. I didn't just do a blanket template because I feel when you customize something, people feel the energy of it. So within one hour, I had 75 of these out. I even took it a step further. I researched their social media. I researched if their email or phone number was out on public. And then I hit them up from different angles as well. I said, I just sent you a LinkedIn. Please check it. I have 24 hours. So I really just bombarded and overwhelmed the system by 
three, four hours, I think I had five or six responses. By the morning, I think I had two or three interviews. And by the end of the day, I think I had an offer out and closed a person. So I just know that when I throw maximum effort and energy, both spiritually and physically, and Kabbalah explains all this, to overwhelm the system, it breaks open a result. Now, had that not worked and I found nobody, that energy is not wasted. All that energy would go into the recruiting process and would then maximize uh, a candidate I'd find out later on. But at least I put in the energy and the effort. There's a few things you said there that I'd like to dive in a little bit further to. Firstly, it couldn't be more relevant given the rise of AI and how easy it is to go on ChatGPT or some sort of AI model to do these sorts of we think small tasks for us. But as you just said, I like to write the template myself because it creates an energetic value within it. Yep. I'd love to go in that further. Like, are, you, are you worried about AI in some ways taking away our kind of like opportunity to share with someone some energy? Great question. So about three weeks ago, there were about eight of the top food CEOs around the world. We all gathered in Laguna Beach for a mastermind. And, and these are probably the eight biggest companies or eight of the biggest food companies and CPG companies that, that you've heard of. And we sat around and we talked about our businesses and we talked about the future of food, the future of pricing, the future of technology, and then AI. So we had probably one of the foremost experts in AI. We all paid for him to come out. He spoke to us for about two hours, blew our minds. And what he told me is he said, look, you have a 40, 50 person customer service team. I can get that down to one with AI. And the quote was that AI is not going to take your job, but someone who understands AI will. And what I learned from that is it behooves us that the creator gave us AI. So even AI has consciousness and it came from the light of the creator. So we have to respect it. We have to learn about it. And we can't be lazy or, or apathetic about it. Like we need to make the effort to know it and understand it. So since then, I hired that company to come in and uh, start to audit one department at a time. I'm going to have them audit the marketing department and show me, for example, like we run a thousand different ads a week. So I have a whole funnel of content creators who follow scripts or not, or semi-organic content. We cut it up with different hooks, different angles. And so it comes out to thousands of pieces of content every week. We test it on Meta and TikTok and all social platforms. We kill the ones that aren't performing well. We scale the ones that are. And I basically said, if you can make this whole process run even 5% more efficiently, that comes out to X amount of dollars, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in savings. So the math is there. We need to use whatever tools the creator has given us and is being revealed to us in the right way, with the right intention, and we should not be lazy about it. I'm sure you do have days where you start the day going, right, I'm going to have one of those 24-hour days yeah. where I put all the energy into this and I attack and I send 70 emails. But, you know, for all being honest, that is a, quite a big energy spending for the day. Yeah. And I'm sure there's lots of people who've wanted to, they so want their Monday to be like that. And for whatever happens, it just doesn't end up being a Monday yeah. like they planned. How do you navigate then when you're low energy and where do you think being very low energy comes from? Well, I similarly gave a seminar last week to business owners in New York and I talked about the 24-hour concept, but then I talked about a second one. I said, the 24-hour concept is strengthened or weakened based on your approach to 
what you say yes and no to in your life. So mm. for example, I made a conscious decision that I will just have three buckets in my life and I will narrow them. I have my family bucket. I have four little children. I have all their sports and everything in my calendar. I make sure to go to all of those things and be present as best as I can. The second bucket is the business bucket. I have my brand. It's Mary Ruth, Mary Ruth's. And I've also learned to say no to 99% of the other opportunities are coming my way. So a friend has another idea, start a business, come on the board of this company, try this, do that. Here's a cash flow option, invest in my property. Did you ever look at real estate? What do you think of Bitcoin? All of this stuff are distractions to what I believe is the one thing that I need to grow and scale and put all my energy into. There are few, very few people in this world that can manifest two or three or four great things all at once. And even the ones who are doing so, we have to ask the question, had they taken all that energy and invested into one thing, how great could they scale it? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't hedge. I'm not saying that I don't have people who manage other projects for me or investments for me because I don't think you should put all your eggs in one basket. But I've really learned to look at every opportunity that comes my way and ask myself, is this taking me away? Is this a trick? Is this a trick of the universe or the negative side to take me away from my focus? Or is this helping with the, my, my mission and my goal that I've established for myself? And that's something we need to all ask ourselves when all these opportunities come our way. Somebody wants to spend time with us, you know, unless it's a charitable act to spend time with them, to add value to their lives and help them unconditionally, you need to really analyze, are you just, are you just sabotaging your own time? And you're sabotaging your own goals because maybe you're afraid to be successful. So I know a lot of people, uh, myself included on some level, we, we are afraid to be successful above a certain point, above a certain revenue number, above a certain amount of employees. I know some people who it's very easy for them to hit a million dollars, but anything above that, they will sabotage. I know people who can have 20 employees, but scale it to 50, they will sabotage because their mindset is one of anything above a million maybe isn't good, or it's not a good lifestyle, or it comes with more problems, or I don't want to be too public, or whatever it is. There's limited beliefs that come through that Kabbalah explains we need to transform. So what I share with people, number one, is where are you on your path of focus? Are you saying no more than you're saying yes to the things that are coming into your life? Are you staying focused? I'm not an advocate of, let's say, medication or Adderall, unless that's what a person has to take, but a person needs spiritual Adderall person needs the ability to be able to stay in their lane and, and, and do deep work, not shallow work, but deep work. How do you encourage deep work? I mean, how do you encourage someone to practically create their own spiritual Adderall? Because I think that something we are all vulnerable of, including me, is that I'll be so excited about something and you will build up an expectation of how you want yeah. something to unfold. Yep. And that expectation isn't necessarily always wrong because it's giving you the motivation because you're kind of, you know, you've got the visualization of it. But for whatever reason, life serves up something different than what you wanted. And the sure. disappointment is almost like someone who's got a needle and burst your balloon yeah, And it's really hard then to kind of go back to the being good at the nose, sending the extra email or like doing something that's good for you. You just kind of want to recoil. Yep. Part of spiritual work is also to reframe our disappointments and to realize that every bit of energy we invest 
is bringing you towards your goal. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter if you were rejected. It doesn't matter if it's working or not working. Your energy has never been wasted. So we have to reframe what disappointment, pain, and suffering is. For example, when a person goes to the gym and they have an incredible workout, the very next day, they are actually weaker and in pain, right? Your body is sore. You have less energy. Your body is in a mode of healing and repairing. You actually went backwards. Now, all of us who wake up very sore and we touch our chest muscle or our biceps or our legs, and we feel that pain, we actually are not recoiling in disappointment. We have a lot of happiness about it. In fact, the part of your body that is not sore, you are worried about. Why? Because we've already trained ourselves and we have the mindset that soreness equals muscle growth. Soreness equals strength. Soreness equals beauty, eventually. So we feel no pain, even though there is pain. So in life, it is the same thing. Wherever you feel rejected, wherever you feel like you've taken a step backwards, if you just lost money, if you just lost a relationship, if you feel low energy, if you have a health challenge, if there's something going on with your children or your family or kids, whatever, it is painful. But if you accept that at that moment and say, this pain is now a vessel for the new miracles that are coming, and you believe in it more and more, which because that is the truth, and eventually we'll all come to that truth, the sooner you believe it is the truth, the pain is now gone, and you are now accelerating your path to miracles because that's where consciousness comes in. Good consciousness accelerates miracles. Bad consciousness delays what is meant for you from manifesting. I think you are the person that introduced me to the spiritual paradox of what you're talking about. And I remember coming across one video and it said, if someone's ghosted you, if someone's rejected you, yeah. then a miracle is about yeah. to happen. Yeah. And it was such an almighty reframe as someone who's a deep people pleaser who desperately wants people to like them. This yes. idea that like, actually it's a good thing if somebody didn't like me, it shattered an entire belief system I've held for many years. I would love for you to explain that concept because it's just brilliant. Yeah. So it's a video I think you're referring to that I posted on my Instagram a few weeks back. And it's this idea that if you're being ghosted or someone cancels on you or you're rejected in some way, the moment you accept this as being good because you believe with complete certainty that everything comes from the light of the creator, it's actually saving you time, saving you energy. That consciousness is what catapults you into what's called the tree of life, into the world of miracles. If you believe that this is negative, if you believe that your time was now wasted, if you then continue to complain about it and manifest more negative energy, so then you enter a different world. And in that world, you are delaying the meeting of your soulmate. You are delaying the accumulation of abundance. You're delaying the access of wisdom that we need to guide us through life. So the premise of this concept is to realize every single thing comes from the light of the creator, whether it feels good or not. The sooner we pause, do not react to it. We accept it. Even if you have to fake it in the beginning, it's okay. Accept it by faking it, fine. But that effort alone is what's putting you on the path to miracles. And I tell people, if you try this over and over again, you will see that you are accomplishing in a few weeks or even months, what it used to take you years or decades. How do you know when to push because you want to move something forward or pause and accept life as it is? That's a great question. 
I think with each person, it'll be a different answer also based on what is their personal soul's correction. So in Kabbalah, we call it tikkun. And everybody has a tikkun. Everybody has many layers of tikkun, layers of the, that we need to correct, that our soul came to this world to correct. So for example, a type A personality that is very controlling and is used to always getting their way and pushing things forward, there's nothing wrong with pushing things forward, but but they may need to pause more frequently to realize, hey, look, if it's just me pushing things forward and I'm not creating space for the light of the creator to come in, this endless force of miracles to come in, I'm not going to get to where I want. And even if I manifest what I want, it's not going to have the blessing that it needs and it's going to fall apart or leave me. So a person like that should be constantly pausing, constantly pausing the control, constantly pausing the, the projects moving forward and asking the question, am I coming from the right place? Have I invited the universal energy in? Am I open that maybe I should be doing this better or differently? Just that act alone of pausing throughout the process ensures that not only is the end result going to be good, but that it will last. However, there's a different type of person. This is the kind of person whose correction, whose soul's tikkun is maybe they're more prone to laziness, fear of rejection, fear of failure. And so they're always in a contemplative mode. They're always thinking about their projects, but they're never doing anything about it. They're talking to people about their great ideas, or they're working on their logo for six to 12 months, but they're not actually making a product and putting it out in the world because they're afraid. That kind of a person, I would say, you also need to pause. But what you're pausing is your comfort zone, which is delay. You are delaying. You are delaying because you are scared. It is time to break your fear and push forward, even if you fail, even if it's the wrong product, even if it's the wrong business plan, even if it's the wrong partners. Just by virtue of moving forward, you are transforming your nature. You're overcoming your tikkun and you're drawing the light of the creator. So you will have blessings. The light will guide you into what is the right thing to do. At the end of the day, it's about momentum, spiritual momentum. And so depending on who you are and what your soul's correction is, I would have two different answers. And I think everyone listening kind of knows which bucket maybe they fall into. Are you the type A controlling manifestor type? Or are you the avoidant type that is always coming up with a reason or excuse to not do something? Or are you somewhere in the middle? But I think it's important to know where we're at. I am over the moon because I want to take a moment to thank my podcast partners for this episode. It is the brand Artar and they create the most incredible supplements. And I'm really not just saying this. I took their fertility supplement for three months prior to my egg freezing journey. And it gave me so much confidence because I knew I was taking great quality, very thought through supplements that would give the nutrients my body needed to optimize my result. And they offer different supplements for different things, but I couldn't recommend their fertility supplement more if you are on that maternal journey. But they focus on being effective, efficient, evidence-based, and they also offer nutrition programs designed to help you thrive. They're award-winning. They use practitioner strength and sustainably sourced ingredients free from harmful additives and fillers. And they use the very best quality ingredients at the right dosage. 
and many supplements don't do this. And so this is why I want to celebrate Artar even more for how delicate and sensitive they've been when it comes to health and supporting people in the way they need to be supported. Their range includes formulas for metabolism, cellular health, gut health, and of course, fertility to help you address metabolic health from every angle. I obviously am a huge fan of their enhanced fertility blend, which uses vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients proven to improve egg quality, hormone health, and blood sugar. All the things are very important on that journey. And I love that they use a good dose of CoQ10, which is an important ingredient for women in their 30s because it has everything you need to optimize maternal and fetal health. So that's a truly honest recommendation. I'll put a link to the brand in the show notes. And thank you again to Artar for creating such excellent products. And I'm excited that you all know about them now. To take a step back, I guess, and many people won't be aware of Kabbalah, probably haven't even maybe heard the term, and a lot of your wisdom is rooted in the spiritual teachings of Kabbalah. What is it, and where did it come from, and what drew you to it to begin with? Kabbalah is universal spiritual wisdom for every soul in this world. Regardless of what your religious beliefs are or spiritual beliefs are, the idea is that Kabbalah existed since the beginning of time and was most used starting with the great sage of Abraham who brought it down to this world. And the wisdom of Kabbalah is actually embedded within every religion. And the purpose of Kabbalah is actually to bring all souls together and to help unify all religions while each of them keeping their own unique identity. And this is why in all my classes, in all my colleagues' classes or Kabbalah centers all around the world, you will see every denomination represented. Even atheists. I mean, one of the best stories is one of my students brought uh, his friend who was like a self-proclaimed proud atheist. And he came to me like, I don't believe in God or energy or anything. I said, no problem. Just let's study Kabbalah and see what happens. Fast forward six months later, Kabbalah is changing his life. He actually becomes the chief marketing officer of the Kabbalah Center and creates the masterclass that I think maybe you or many people have heard around the world, which is Kabbalah1.com. And he spearheaded this multi-million dollar charitable project to bring Kabbalah to the world. And till today, he, he, will, he is a self-proclaimed atheist, which I love. So the point of it is when you hear the wisdom of Kabbalah, it resonates the truth that you already know inside of you, but it gives you a system of how to live life, how to handle life's challenges, how to understand who you are, where you came from, why you're here, and how to move through life no longer in like a dark room. You know, if I told you you had to find 10 objects in this room and bring it to me, but it's pitch black, I think after many hours and maybe bruises on your knees and feet and hands, you will eventually find those 10 objects. You will have to grapple through the dark and uh, eventually one by one bring those objects to me. But what if I made it a little simpler for you? What if I just turned on the lights and then you could just see and scan the room and see all of where the 10 objects are? You could probably bring everything to me within 45 seconds. Kabbalah is that light switch. It turns on the light so you can see what's going on, what you need to do. It doesn't take the work away from you. It doesn't mean that you don't have to do the work, but at least now you have a clear plan of why you're in this world and what you need to do. And for me personally, I 
I was 15 years old when my uncle, who kind of identified my own personal desire for achievement, like I, I, I was a good student. I had a lot going on. I was already making uh, money probably that was more than what teenagers should be making because uh, I was just involved in a lot of things. So he saw my desire for achievement and he said, you know, you would really love Kabbalah. I said, it sounds like a religion. I'm not into it. No, thank you. Because I was really against a dogmatic approach to life. And he said, no, 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 it's spirituality. Just check it out. You'll see. So he brought me to a seminar and it changed my life. And I, and I realized I felt the truth of how this is universal wisdom. So I dove deep into it. I learned it. I volunteered for it. I helped mentor classes. I loved it so much. It, it was so fulfilling. I graduated uh, UCLA early when I was 19 years old and I joined full time to teach the wisdom of Kabbalah all around the world starting at 19 for no money. I mean, I did it as a full-time volunteer, took a vow of poverty and just joined a nonprofit. And then fast forward like 10 years later, I was still teaching, just started our vitamin business on the side. And I think the miracle of even the business has come from these spiritual teachings. So it takes up about 50% of my life, both the teaching of Kabbalah, which I love to do as my give back. And then the business is kind of another way to exercise my own creativity to bring that to the world. Kabbalah has completely changed my life. And for the last 12 years, I'm transformed. Um, so I deeply resonate ev with everything you've just said and the analogy of the light switch turning on to help you kind of find those things that you have to find anyway in the dark is just so accurate. And I'll make sure in the show notes, we're going to put links to everything that David's just mentioned in case you're interested in looking further into that. What I think I found most surprising about Kabbalah is that it often is just so different to kind of what you're usually taught or what you think about just spiritual concepts in general. And some of them can be quite challenging. So I wanted to ask you, what's the most challenging spiritual concept you've struggled to get your head around, but when you did, things shifted? Probably the most challenging spiritual concept is realizing that everything that I have in my life, the good and the bad that I'm experiencing, is somehow a product of what I wanted subconsciously to happen. And people struggle with this, as do I. How is it that this pain I'm going through or this rejection I'm going through or this lack of a relationship I may be going through is a product of something that I want? Mm. This is something that happened to me. I was hurt. I was taken advantage of. This business partner ruined the business or you know, this person left me whatever it may be. However, the real question is, we have belief systems that we are conscious of and desires that we are conscious of, but we also have belief systems and desires we are unconscious of. And they compete with each other and it creates confusion to the universe. And so as a result, we don't necessarily attract the things that we truly desire. Case in point would be speaking to a woman, I think she's in her late 30s, early 40s. She's still single. And never been married, very successful woman, uh, type A personality. And she said, look, I've wanted to get married and have a child you know, for the last 10 years. I really put my mind to it, but nothing's happening. Every type of man I meet is emotionally or physically unavailable. Uh, it goes for two, three months and then something goes wrong. I, I think there's a problem with the men here in Los Angeles. <laughs> That's what she said. So I said, well, if that was the case, then none of the women here in Los Angeles would be in a relationship. So obviously that can't be true. 
as we dove deeper, what, what did we realize? She wants a relationship, but she also wants to be free. She wants a relationship, but she also doesn't want somebody telling her what to do. She wants a relationship, but she's also afraid to lose her identity and to lose her career. All these limited beliefs that if I'm in a relationship, I can't be successful. If I'm in a relationship, I lose my time, I lose my freedom. And because she hadn't really dove deep into spirituality, any type of spirituality, not even Kabbalah, and really worked on that, she's giving the universe two mixed signals. She's saying to the creator, I want to get married. And she's also saying to the creator, I hope I don't get married. So that is why within two, three months of a great relationship, she finds a way to sabotage it. She might say something or do something to cause the man to run away, or she'll focus on some kind of like something about him that just drives her mad, but she's just driving herself mad because she wants a reason to leave him. And so this is a concept that I think is hard for all of us, myself included. The moment we take responsibility and we realize what those competing desires are, that's the beginning to paradise. As you said, it's sometimes really hard to um, know what these quite subtle subconscious belief systems we have inside, you know, the ones that are holding, it's quite difficult to work out what they are. How do you encourage people to gain that next level of self-awareness and so we can start changing some of our behavior? Well, I think just by virtue of the fact that whoever's hearing this, they're hearing it for a reason because there is a desire within them to want to know this wisdom that you're sharing. You're not going to be exposed to something that you do not have a desire to be exposed to. So when a person's desire is to receive some level of higher consciousness or enlightenment or to meet a teacher, and I'm not going to even say that Kabbalah is like the path, like the only path, right? I've dabbled in so many different spiritual modalities, partly because in my position, I need to have empathy and understand where my students are coming from, what they're learning, what they're exposed to. And there are so many great teachers out there within and outside of the Kabbalah Center that bring so much great wisdom in their own way, in funny ways, in inspiring ways, in grounded ways. I, I, I love all of it. And I think what's amazing is all of that is leading us to the same place. I am biased to the fact that I believe Kabbalah should be a part of everyone's life in some way because I, I think it helps enhance whatever it is that you do. But if you truly desire something, and I know this, when I put the intention to want to receive something, it's unbelievable. It, it just comes flying towards me. For example, if I do want to hire someone, like right now I'm looking for a supply chain vice president. That's what I'm looking for. So as I put that out there, what I know now is that the universe wants to bring it to me. So what I'll do is literally I'll be walking in the streets, or I'll be meeting random people. I went to the gym recently, I went to Equinox, and I just started talking to the people at the front desk. And I said, hey, do you guys take vitamins? And they go, what? And I just start talking to them. I'd be like, by the way, do you know anybody in supply chain? And I'll just start putting that out there. That's my effort to create a vessel to start to receive the message. Because I know the minute I set the desire that I want something, the universe is bringing the energy. Is it going to hit me smack in the face? Maybe. Or maybe not. I need to make more effort to open up my vessel. And I do that by asking questions. I ask people questions everywhere I go. And that's how I find somehow it leads me to the right person, the right idea. And that's the same thing with enlightenment. If there's some kind of clarity, whoever's listening to this, if there's some kind of clarity you're looking for in your life, it could be 
you need to find the right doctor because of a medical condition you're going through. It could be something about relationships where you're having a lack of clarity. It can be in your business and you don't know if you should leave this safe, secure job to go start your own company or entrepreneurial thing. Or maybe you're, you're at home with your children and it's, it's very hard and you have guilt around creating something or doing something and you, you want to resolve that. Ask the universe, show me the answer. Show me the answer. What is the consciousness I need to have? Because Kabbalah says we're meant to have everything. There's no compromises. If you're compromising, you're not with the light of the creator. That's the bottom line. I just gave a seminar last week in Venice and this one woman, she said, I don't even know why I'm here and I don't even know why I'm sharing. There was about 80 people and she raised her hand. She's a single mom. She's in her 30s. It was very powerful. She said, my whole life is dedicated to my child and I feel so much guilt to go out there and to even date or to meet men again and be happy again and start my career again because her belief system is that if she does any of those things, she's hurting her child. This is a limited belief, obviously. So we worked just in that five minutes that she was there. We said, you know, put out the intention that you can have it all. You can be an amazing mother to your child and be in love and have an amazing career. And it's not for you to decide how that's going to happen. It's for you to decide that it can happen and let the creator and the light of the creator in the universe do the rest. So stop limiting it. And that was it. That's all I wanted her to do. And watch, this week, miracles will happen for her. I feel like this question you probably get a lot. And I think it's the question that anybody has when it comes to spirituality, because we are giving it up to God. We're just, we're, we're trusting that everything is going to unfold okay. Because when we are given huge challenges, it feels really difficult to think that this was given to us on purpose. Yes. How do you process and cope and how do you support people through those moments when they are kind of at so close to losing trust in the creator? It's funny, as we were talking, I've turned my phone around, I could see it flashing and I'm literally getting phone calls and texts of people who are this, for some reason, something in the air because everyone is facing a test today. Mm. I think five or six people alone today that even though they've been studying this wisdom for a while, even though they've passed so many tests in the past and they've seen so many miracles, miracles like in front of their eyes, like literally, when the new test comes, it's always on the level that it's going to be hard for you. Because how else can you go to your next level if you can't face the challenge that is exactly what you need to make you feel confused, dark, and dejected? So when you feel confused, when you feel lost, when you feel like you do not have inspiration to move forward. You must know, I'm telling you, you must know, this is spiritual law, that the next level is craving to be revealed. The next level is coming. Just knowing that alone will draw down the strength and inspiration and ideas you need to get through it. So I always tell people, the rules are, have been the same since the beginning of time and nothing is changing even now that you're going through something that seems insurmountable. I remind them, I say, remember last year you told me the same thing about this other area. And you said, you don't even know how you can handle this. And what happened? You had a miracle. And now it's gone. All pain is temporary. All pain is illusionary and temporary like a blip on the screen. It comes and it will go. Your soul is immortal. Your consciousness is immortal. It will be here forever. The body consciousness will dissolve in the ground. Don't worry. 
And so it is a constant reminder. And so that's why in Kabbalah we have community. I think if you try to study mm-hmm. just on your own, without a teacher, without a mentor, without community, without friends, it's like the sheriff is looking for the thief, but he's the thief. Your ego is just it's going to play with itself. You're not going to really get anywhere. Mm. So I tell people, you know, we have to have each other. And I think even just people listening to you, people listening to you and the spirituality you bring out and the wisdom you bring out, they're reminded, wait a second, I can do this. Wait a second, this is a test. And we need these reminders constantly. We need community. We need friends who are spiritual of high consciousness. Otherwise, I don't think there's any other way. I want to go back to a point that you mentioned, this idea that once you have asked the universe for something, you go around and you ask questions. Now, what's the line between going and speaking the things that you want, but also speaking too much, you reveal too much, and you know, there's that whole kind of sentiment on like hide your blessings, protect what you want, don't talk to people about all the things that you're trying to manifest because they can almost kind of take the energy away. And it can be confusing, I guess, because different strategies or what are your thoughts? Yeah. So you're, you're referring to a spiritual concept that it's important to try to prosper in silence because especially at the seed level, when you're beginning something, it's very fragile. It's an embryonic state. In, in Kabbalah, we explain that when a woman gets pregnant, it's best that she not reveal that she's pregnant to anyone, really, <laughs> besides, obviously, the person who impregnated her. I think that, that's okay <laughs> uh, for, the, for the first three months. And that is because the soul of the child is coming down in stages, and the solidified aspect of the soul doesn't really come down for 90 days. So it's in a very fragile state. And if you tell people, and by virtue of telling people, it awakens jealousy or lack. And it could even be your sister who's so happy for you to be pregnant, but it awakens a thought in her mind of, oh, I'm not pregnant yet. I, or I wish I was pregnant or anything. Or maybe she has kids and she's like, oh, now you're going to have to go through what I went through. Like whatever negativity comes up by virtue of her knowing affects that child and affects the soul. And it could result in, you know, God forbid, a miscarriage of sorts because of the negative energy is making the soul even uncomfortable to come down. So we always say in the beginning of anything to conceal, it's the best. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're saying is, hey, look, my method is to go out there. I'm looking for talent. I'm looking for ideas. I'm looking to manifest something. That requires me to share what I'm doing. And it is true. And it is a great question. I have also learned how much can I go out there? Like, There's, nothing, there's no perfect system, but how can I go out there without having to share too much? Right. So, for example, part of my product innovation is I will just randomly ask people in the street, what are you missing in your vitamin routine? What do you wish you could have that is not out there? And they'll just say stuff. And I'll be like, thank you. That was really helpful. And I'll just move on. But I'll put that in my innovate. I'll give that to my innovation team. I'll start marking it up. I'll start working on that. And uh, it's on a need to know basis until it becomes revealed. So, I do find that I can ask questions, canvas people, learn without having to get too much of the details of what I'm doing or the ideas that I have. But sometimes I do share. And you know what? It does make it a little more vulnerable, but that's the trade-off in order to learn the wisdom of what's going on. Thank you. That was great to have that clarified. Um, 
My last question um, is based on another video of yours that I absolutely loved, which is what is the number one spiritual rule people break in dating or in sales? And I kind of find it hilarious that <laughs> you're kind of insinuating. Do you remember what I said? You, you me- thing, it kind of is. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, it's all, it's all the same. It's all the same. Do you remember what I said? I'm curious to hear what you heard. I think is to be in the energy of basically to be in the energy of wanting yes. is like the most allergic energy that anybody can be in. Yes, that, that is correct. And this is rooted in a, in a deep Kabbalistic concept that just comes off fairly simple, which is in order to attract something, you have to have affinity of form with it. So in order to attract miracles and the light of the creator, you have to act like the light of the creator. So Kabbalah is basically the study of how to act like God, how to become like the light of the creator, because then the energy is of, is of, of similarity of form. And so you become united, you become one, and this is why the darkness goes away. So in dating or in business or in anything for that matter, what do you desire? You're desiring love, you're desiring wholeness, you're desiring abundance. But the problem is we are approaching these things from a place of lack, from a place of neediness, from a place of wanting. In life, the only things we receive that really last forever and have blessing are the things that we're not needy of. They come by the way. If you actually think of the greatest blessings in your life, they came through the back door when you weren't looking. But what does that mean you weren't looking? It's when you weren't needing. When you weren't needing. That's that's when it came. It's very much like uh, you know those like little floaty things that you have in, in your eyes. If you try to look at them, they float away. The next date you go out on, or the next business interview you go on, or business meeting you go on, have the consciousness of, I don't want to take. I don't want to be needy. I only want to give. And not give because I want people to like me or I'm a people pleaser, because that's also taking. Giving to get people to like you is actually the worst kind of taking. It's more, I want to be a channel for these people. Maybe I say a little, maybe I say a lot. I don't even want to overthink it. I just want to add value and be a channel. And what happens is then people feel that vibration. That is a definition of charisma. Charisma is a person who makes you feel good. We feel good when someone is adding value to our lives without taking. A lot of women sometimes complain that men will come to them and try to add value. Like, hey, uh, we're in the same industry. Like, let me help you. But they have an agenda. They want to try to get the woman on a date or try to get them to like them or respect them. So, And the women pick up on this. So they actually feel used. They feel a little dirty, even though it appears as if the man is adding value. So all men, and this happens for both genders, all sides need to be cognizant of what is the agenda. Where are you trying to take, be conscious of it, and try to remove it before the meeting? It's really interesting because let's say you're searching for investment or you're you're having the meeting with quite obvious terms that you're looking to take in some way, shape, or form. How do you shift that then into being this mutual neutral relationship where it's not this power imbalance that maybe the premise of the meeting had to start with? I've only had to raise money once in my life, and it was eight years into the business. Again, this is my business thesis, and knowing that I never want to come from a needy place, I never want to come from the point of view of the vessel. I always want to come from the point of view of the light. And would you mind just explaining what the vessel and the light is quickly? Yeah. So the vessel means, what is a vessel? Like if I hold up this, this glass here, 
the ve- the glass is the vessel, the water is the light. So the vessel is always the thing that receives, the light is always the thing that fulfills. So the glass becomes the vessel for the water, which is what I want, the fulfillment. So if I'm going to raise money, I want to always come as the light, not as the vessel, meaning I want to come as the giver, not the taker. So if I'm going to go to a private equity firm, I'm coming because I'm giving them the opportunity to give me money. If I come because I need their money, private equity and all those financial wizards, they are so smart. They they can smell BS a mile away and they can smell neediness a mile away. And I told myself, I'm not going to raise money until my business doesn't need their money. That's when I'm going to go raise money. And it took eight years to grow the business. you know. And, and I had a sheet, actually, I got from a, a banker. I said, tell me the top 20 things a private equity firm wants to see. And I made sure to check off every box before I even spoke to a firm. So once I checked off all 20 boxes, and again, that's my business thesis. I'm not the kind of guy that just comes up with an idea and says, let's go raise $100 million based on my idea. I didn't have a track record to do that. Maybe in the future, I could come up with a great idea and I truly believe I'll execute it. I feel comfortable raising money just based on an idea because I have a track record. But in the beginning, I had nothing. I had no business background. I had had nothing. I just, you know, we were just growing a little vitamin company. But when I checked off those 20 boxes, and it's so funny when I I went out there to raise, and all this is public information, you you can read about it out there. I literally just scribbled all the great things about our company and I sent it out to all the private equity firms I liked. I didn't create a deck. I didn't hire an investment banker. We didn't do anything fancy that people do. I just wrote bullet points. Here's the 20 top things about our company. And that's how we raised, you know, over nine figures of, 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 of money, which it's all public information. So it's interesting because when you come from a place of strength, mm. you actually don't need to say that much. The prettier the deck, I always say the prettier the deck, the worse the company. Okay. When I read a deck and I've read hundreds, thousands of decks, if the first seven pages are just photos and telling me about the TAM of the market, the total, you know, the, 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 it's a $40 billion industry. I'm like, all right, this is all noise. The first page should be literally how much money did you make? Uh, Revenue? What's your profit? What's your gross margin? Like, tell, tell me the meat. Why are you telling me all this fancy other stuff? It's because you're insecure. You're insecure because you don't really have a business. And maybe the last page just shows like some kind of arrow run rate, which is still vague, right? So that's kind of the point is you realize you got a nothing burger and you're trying to dress it up. So I don't like approaching anything with a nothing burger. It's funny. I haven't even been on social media or done podcasts in the last 10 years because I told myself, I don't even want to come out to the public Mm-hmm. Um, until I work on myself, I work on this wisdom, I create content that is like polished and, and exercised well. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't just go out and test and explore. I do that too. But I don't like personally coming from a place of lack. So I ask myself, what do I need to do to just always feel internally that I'm coming from a place of strength and place of giving? And that's how I would approach raising money. If you have a great idea, I, I talked to somebody recently. He's like, I got a great idea. I want to do this. I want to go raise $100 million. I'm like, no one's going to give you that money because you have an idea, unless you're Elon Musk. All right. Elon Musk can go raise $100 million based on an idea, but you're not Elon Musk. I said, 
go create a little case study of how this idea works on a very small scale, prove out the model, just making thousands of dollars. And then I think with that, you can raise more and more and more, but you got to prove it out. Come from a place of strength. Your ideas are empty and you're going to come from a place of emptiness. What a powerful note to finish on. I have about a million more questions, but hopefully I'll be able to ask them at another time. I will put a link to your Instagram, your brilliant podcast, and of course, your incredible vitamins. Do you even sell to Europe or is it mostly just America? (laughs) I I know we have a lot of demand in Europe. I think people can order them on IR, but uh, we're we're pretty well known more in the US. And I'll also say, I will also say, because I think it's important, all the content I put out there, whether it's free content or paid content, all of it is donation-based and all of it goes to charity. So I don't ever like to monetize the spiritual side of everything I do. I, I believe it's it's got to be accessible and available to everyone. And anything that people give towards it just goes towards helping other people learn and study this wisdom. And I, I really just want to bring it out to millions of people out in the world. So I just thought it was an important thing to share. Thank you for sharing it. And I am a testimony to how powerful um, it is in it changing my life. So thank you on behalf of everyone listening. This has been really brilliant. (laughs) Appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today, please hit subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast so much. I'd be endlessly grateful if you wouldn't mind doing so. My mental health book, Happy Not Perfect, is available to order now. The book teaches you how to be a flexible thinker, a skill that helps you navigate any challenge that might come your way, helps you manage emotions, and helps you thrive to be the bendiest version of yourself. Until next time, I love hearing from you, so do shoot me a message on Instagram, send me a DM with any of your thoughts. Stay safe and well. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.